Welcome back guys to the Max Out Show, where today I'm joined by Rock Thomas, founder of the I Am Movement and the best-selling author that has impacted over 100 million people with his viral talk on redefining yourself. Coming from very humble beginnings on a small farm in Canada, Rock used the power of identity to become one of the world's top realtors, open multiple successful businesses, and help others live their best lives. So Rock, welcome to the show. Love the energy, Max. It's appropriate, Max out, let's do this. Boom, yes, boom, boom, let's go. <laughs> Loving this, all right. <laughs> so I wanna get started for our listeners with, with your background story, and specifically your, your early childhood, because I think starting from there, you have to understand where you come from in order to really then sort of follow the whole route and, and understand who, what you've built yourself to be today. So can you take us back to those early childhood memories when you had to you know, feed 22 horses before breakfast? And really All right, if I have to. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, <laughs> um, You know, I don't usually mention this part, but being that you're from Germany, my both my parents were from Holland, one from Amsterdam, one from The Hague. And they, after the war, separately came to Canada on a boat at different times, met in Montreal, and then a few years later had my sister and I, five years later got divorced, and my father remarried and after a couple of years living with my mom I was a bit of a troublemaker so she shipped me out to live with my dad on the farm and now my father had remarried so now I was the youngest of seven children and I spent most of my childhood fighting for attention uh, getting leftovers we weren't we weren't poor but we weren't wealthy and so there were days sometimes when you open the fridge and you looked at you know the last piece of bologna and it has gone a bit green and you ate it anyway so i would say that i learned growing up that you know life was not easy and you develop as a young person a programming we all do and that programming generally is what you use as a template for the rest of your life so I went into the world working hard. Every job I got was driving a taxi, being on a movie set, door-to-door -door sales, cutting lawns, cleaning, anything that was 12 to 14 hours a day was what my programming had taught me to do. By the time I got to my late 20s, my father had moved to Australia and unfortunately he got cancer. And I was working in the airlines at the time, so I got some free passes to go back and forth a few times. And over a two-year period, I went there, I think, three or four times until the last trip was when he was on his last legs. And um, by then, I had helped him move. I had helped pay some bills. I, uh, he had back taxes in Canada. Uh, I took on the noble responsibility of paying those off. And all of this landed me on my, my mom's couch, $30,000 in debt, evicted from my apartment, divorced and looking for answers that um, a young man on his own wishes his father was there to guide him a bit, but my father wasn't. So I made a lot of bad decisions. Um, I thought I was making good decisions, but I don't know if you have this experience, Max, but when, when people struggle, I, I would say primarily males, they tend to isolate themselves. It's like a wounded animal does not just go running around talking to all the other animals. Yeah. It pulls itself into the darkness. It tries to heal itself. And so I did a lot of that. And during that time, I made a lot of bad decisions because I only had my young little 
farm boy mentality. And then I came across a mentor in the second stage of my life at 30 and got into real estate. And that's when my life changed completely. And I became a top salesperson. I bought the company. I took it from 300 million to a billion dollars in sales and wrote three books, started coaching people, sold the company for $4 million, retired to Florida, worked on my golf game for several years, <laughs> spent a lot of time with my kids, trying to be the father that I didn't have. And, and then life continues this journey. The, you know, the, the person I sold it to, they stopped paying, so I took the company back. And so now I have several real estate operations. I have 42 streams of income. I guess you call me a serial entrepreneur. But my real passion is helping people learn from the mistakes that I made uh, so that they don't isolate themselves. And they don't, they don't try to figure it out on their own because it's lonely, it's, it's the longest way to learn. And so now I've helped create 61 millionaires in a mastermind group that I have and I'm very passionate about that. Yeah, you know, I love that so much. And specifically this part of, of redefining yourself and, and using the power of I am, and I wanna dive into it later. But first, since, since you mentioned it, like for people and you know, especially men, like you say, they're in this, this space right now when it is this wounded animal, right? And they're like, they're retreating. I have so many friends like this, right? They say like, hey, you know, if they don't feel well, instead of, you know, hanging out or like reaching out, they'd rather just sit at home and try to deal with them themselves, right? Because they want to be tough and strong. So what can you say to people like that, that, you know, are, are constantly like retreating in that case, what else could they do to really make sure they get through these tough times in a more, you know, effective way? I got two words for them. Brenny Brown. Brenny Brown. She talks about the power of vulnerability and the importance of understanding that we're all hiding behind these masks and these egos trying to look good and be strong, but it creates this separation. It creates this anxiety. Yeah, sure. Can we walk in a room with our, you know, shoulders up and hey, how's everything going and put on a mask and act cool and strong and yeah, we can all do that. But what we crave, Max, is can, to connect with other humans. And the way you connect is to be authentic and vulnerable. So it's taken you a lot of unlearning to do that and to be honest with the things that I've struggled with. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I've made bad investments. I've made bad decisions. I've made bad choices. And most of my life, I tried to hide them. And today what I do is I actually talk about them and share them with other people yeah. and people are like, oh my God, really? You're so successful and you did that? That was really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I'm not stupid. The activity was stupid. The way I behaved was stupid. And, and Brenny Brown talks about this. When I tell you about something I went through that I'm embarrassed about, if you're considerate and you're empathetic, I get to heal. If there's an embarrassing moment that you can share with somebody and they can empathize with you, you have an opportunity to heal. But what happens sadly is that we don't know how to do that as humans. So we tell people stuff and then they laugh at us or they, or they shrug it off. Oh, don't worry about that. You're okay. We need to more experience these things with each other and to be heard and felt and seen. And as you do that, then there's this connection and there's this healing. So yeah, Brenny Brown is a really good thing for people that are struggling and isolating themselves. I highly recommend it. You know, I love this idea of like vulnerability. In fact, my relationships with, you know, friends and stuff have fundamentally changed once I started opening up, especially about like insecurities and fears and you know, all the things I was scared about and you know, all my past mistakes and stuff. In fact, one of the questions that I ask every single guest is their favorite failure, right? So their biggest kind of mess up 
that allowed them to, to later learn and, and get better from. And so I love what you're saying here about really being willing to, to open up. So yeah, what I'd love to, to learn more about now is, is this, this programming, which I think this is, this seems to be really the thing that, that changed your life when you were certain your mentor told you basically, you know, like tell yourself, like I'm ruggedly handsome, like like Clint Eastwood, right? So can you tell us story and why <laughs> you're changing our self image is so important. Yeah, so as we grow up, Max, um, the people around us tend to help us identify ourselves because we don't know. So imagine you grow up and you don't know if you're a boy or a girl. So you're taught, no, you're a young boy and boys like to play with trucks and stuff like that. So and, and unbeknowingly, the, the parents and the caretakers and the teachers put labels on us. He's shy. She's smart. He's funny. You're short. You're too tall for gymnastics, whatever. And so we start to look at the world and we go, oh, I can fit in here. I'm not good at playing football, but I'm good at chess. And we're finding a place to survive and to live and to fit in. So after a while, we have a way that we see ourselves. Unfortunately, most of the people that give us labels don't do so from a conscious, empowering place. So I was by my brothers and sisters called pizza face because I had acne growing up. And so every day I got up as a young boy, I'd look and run and look to the mirror because I was afraid of being ugly. If I was ugly, nobody wanted to be around me. No, of course, the more I focused on it, the more I saw them, the bigger they were. And I look back today, Max, on the pictures of me as a young man and my acne was not nearly as bad as I thought. Yeah. And most people, it would have been like, average for a teenager mm -hmm. but because of the labels from my brothers and sisters i made it worse well this carried on right through until my late 20s i i put women's makeup on to cover it up i went in the sun to to try to dry them up i i took medication it became a, a big part of my life yeah. it was it was every day i thought about it this one suggestion from my brother primarily and it became a filter and a lenses for my entire life. Think about it. One, one suggestion from somebody, you're, you're ugly or you're fat or you're stupid or you could never amount to much. We've all been given what I call a pizza face by somebody in our life. And then later I met another programmer who was a little more enlightened and he goes, you are not pizza face. You've been telling yourself your pizza face tens of thousands of time, but we can change it. So we found a new mentor or vision for myself, something I could relate to, not Tom Cruise beautiful, but Clint Eastwood ruggedly handsome. And that lit me up. And he says, all you have to do is repeat that to yourself over and over. I am ruggedly handsome. I am smart. I am wealthy. I am enough. And you change the disempowering label to an empowering one. And I've used that in my coaching and my training and in my life to go from I am working hard to I am working smart from I am pizza faced, I am ruggedly handsome. And it's a big part of my work today. And I'll tell you that Goldcast video that came out, Max, that a hundred million people have seen. I probably have 30 or 40,000 personal messages. Wow. And at least 300 people now that have sent me a message and said, I get it. 
I'm not yeah. going to kill myself. Wow. I can actually realize the label that was offered to me by a person that was supposed to give me love. I can now change that and I'm going to now shift and move and, and make a better life. So it's, it's pretty powerful if you think about it that way. Wow, you know, it's absolutely beautiful. And what I find so fascinating, you mentioned this, right? It's like, it's not the event that happens to you. And it's not what the other person said to you. It's what you do then afterwards, right? It's when you repeat pizza face to yourself over and over and over again. Right? It's when you say, I'm not smart enough. And you keep repeating that label over and over again, thousands and thousands of times. That's when it becomes a problem, right? So how do people then, you know, first when they, when they, when they start to realize like, yeah, I might have a problem with my self-image. How do you begin to really become aware of like what's holding them back and then change that? Like, are there any, you know, certain, like certain affirmations that you think are most powerful or how do people go about starting that process? Yeah. Great question, Max. You know, it, it's a process I wrote about in my first book, the power of your identity. And there's five steps. And the first step to any change is awareness is to recognize yes. that you are not too short or too tall. Kevin Hart, who is probably five, seven, he's a comedian in America, is massively successful. He's yeah, I love him. <laughs> a comedian. Yeah, right. He's a comedian. He's working out now because he spends a lot of time with rock, the rock, not me. Rock, the rock, rock. Not <laughs> <laughs> and so his proximity creates power. So he's been affected by that. He's also the CEO of many companies, so he doesn't want to just be a comedian. He wants to, you know, impact a lot and grow his businesses. So, you know, there's there's no too short or too tall. There's just harnessing who you are and appreciating who you are. So first thing, become aware. What are the limiting conversations you have with yourself? Number two is ask yourself, is it serving you to say, I am X, whatever it is, and if it isn't, What could be an alternative phrase? So for me, it was ruggedly handsome. For somebody else, it might be, I am not good with technology. Well, is that serving you to say that? Were you born not good with technology? Now, you might not be fantastic with it, but could you learn if you are open and curious? Yes, of course you could. <clears throat> you may not become the next Bill Gates, but you could at least use Zoom and things like that that you need to by becoming, you could say, I am excellent student you can change the labels that you were given if you're willing to put in the effort and you can start to move toward whatever you want and if you look at any great athlete max they you know muhammad ali i am the greatest i am the greatest i am the greatest they have found an identity that they want to move toward and they build it brick by brick it's an inside job first to create an outside result you know what i love about it so much and you mentioned this before it's like Does this actually serve me, this identity? Meaning like the, the identity, your deal identity is not driven by the past, by what happened before, but it's really driven by your future, right? It's driven by your goals. It's driven by who you want to be and the person you want to create. And out of that, we create this, this new identity that's aligned with who we actually want to be. So I love that so much. So then how does it like look like on a daily basis? Um, so do you, you know, first thing in the morning when you wake up, you use these affirmations. Um, like what does that look like usually for you? Yeah, it really does look like that is you wake up and during my meditation, uh, five, 10, 15 minutes, depending on the day, you might choose an I am statement or you might just choose something to be grateful for or something you want to create. And then I have a series of affirmations, something like I'm gifted, guided and grateful, powerful, passionate and playful. And I might say those over and over again, or I might choose something that I want to create in my body. 
And, and that's really as simple as it is, is you're having a conversation with yourself anyway, 24 hours a day. Yes. Mm. You might as well upload something that is useful and empowering versus leaving it to the default of the world because the world is not going to walk up to you every single day and tell you that you're smart, beautiful, wonderful, and you're abundant, etc. The world is primarily a negative world, especially today I find with COVID, all we are exposed to is, is fear and doubt. And so it's more important than ever for you to, to do the internal work. Yes, and you mentioned like it is programming, right? And so whatever you feed your mind with is eventually gonna you know, come out on the other side as that code that we live our lives by. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're basically, it's a computer, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put in bad programming and software, you, you only have that to pull out. Uh, I say to people, if you grew up in China, you probably eat more rice than you eat right now <laughs> because that's what you're exposed to, right? So expose yourself to things that are empowering because poverty and, and sickness is a very available. It's, it's constantly, it's, it's weeds will grow in your garden. Success is something you have to pursue on a continual daily basis. And the world will sell you crap to fill your, like here, take this <laughs> pill, right? Have a Red Bull. Yeah. Um, and, and you're, you must be tired. So they're trying to take over your brain. You've got to fight back and, and, and take it back yourself, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, so since you mentioned success already, how's your definition of a successful life evolved over time? You know, 97% of North Americans anyway, or Western society are not millionaires. You know, over time, I think that Success is doing what you want, when you want, whenever you want. However, most people need financial freedom in order to get there. So the, the, I used to start with, hey, I'll help you with your emotional problems. I'll help you with your childhood trauma, etc." Now I actually start helping people figure out how to win the money game. Because when you win the money game and you have time freedom, you can work on getting in shape. You have time to go to the gym. You have time to do your yoga class and meditation. You have time to spend with your kids and not screw them up the way you were screwed up. So I start with the money conversation and then I work backwards and reverse engineer people's lives. Wow, that's so interesting. So, so you know, for our listeners here right now that may be in a tough financial situation, what are some, some tips to, to get this started in the right direction? What are some tips to, to really get the ball rolling in a financial area that most people get wrong? Well, most people, we're not taught how to budget. We're not taught how to have a relationship with money. And there's four money personality types and they're all emotional. So everybody has emotion around money. So the first thing we teach them is what's their, what's their programming around money? And then we give them a system that mitigates or manages that emotion so that they can pay themselves first. They can have a certain amount of money for fun, a certain amount of money for education. And so we start with that very fundamental basic thing, which sounds boring and it sounds like, oh yeah, whoa, whoa, a budget rock. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is most people know what to do, but they don't do what they know. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we get them into the place of, yeah, should you stretch before you work out? Probably you should, but most people don't. So we get them into the place of doing some fundamental things. And then we start to work on their inner beliefs around money max, because most people like myself, I grew up with not a lot of money. 
My father made a lot of bad decisions around money. He made good money, but he wanted to look good. So he had a fancy car. He spent a lot of money on suits. He always had to look good. But for us, when we were behind closed doors as a family, there was never enough money. It was always turn off the lights, shut the door. You think I'm heating the entire province of Quebec? Shut the door, right? <laughs> and so there was always this fear that there's not enough in the world. Those unconscious beliefs can reappear for you and sabotage your future if you don't deal with them. So fundamental basics, deal with the unconscious beliefs and then start to look at passive streams of income. Don't just have a job. A job is great, but even if you make $400,000 a year, you're stuck trading time for money. So I teach people how to have passive streams of income, whether it's writing a book, selling product online, having an online course today is, is a great thing to do with COVID, et cetera, um, investing in real estate, stocks, et cetera, becoming financially literate the way Robert Kiyosaki teaches. So there's different pieces, Max, depending on where people are at. But how did I create 61 millionaires? We made them financially literate. We gave them options to do things they love. And some people have gone into Airbnb and have 28 doors and, and they don't have to work anymore at their nine to five. Wow, yeah. And other people are you know, doing it with real estate holding 20, 30, 40, 50 doors in apartment buildings. Wow. So there's many ways you can do it, but a lot of people, they're just stuck in their job because that's what they were told. Go get a good education, get a good job, have two and a half kids, get a dog and live happily ever after. That's bullshit. It doesn't work. <laughs> yes. You know, what I find so fascinating about you is like, I mean, so many of these strategies are really simple in a sense, right? But like you actually have to get yourself to do it, right? Like just like stretching before working out, like it's these simple steps that many of us know about, but like we need to get ourselves to do it. So I love that. And I also one, one thing that I found in my research is like, you're very comfortable getting yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, you know, seeking that discomfort, especially in the beginning, I think, of, of your career, right? You're willing to, you know, move in a crappy apartment, you know, save as much money as possible in order to then later get these, these massive gains. So can you talk to us about this, this, you know, overcoming this need for immediate gratification and, and you're looking good in front of other people? Uh, you're asking some really good questions there, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, we live in a society of immediate gratification. Our brain is wired to avoid pain and to gain pleasure. It's just natural. So given the option to sit on the couch and eat a bag of popcorn and watch Netflix for four hours, your brain is okay with that because it keeps you safe and that's its job. So we teach people to get to one to 4% outside their comfort zone and to grow in that space because you can actually learn in that space. When you're traumatized by something that's so outside your zone, like you've got to now go speak in front of a thousand people, most people can't learn in that environment because their nervous system goes into fight or flight. So we gently get people outside their comfort zone. But when you understand that if you do what is difficult in life, life will be easy, then you reach for it. But if you are constantly going for what is easy, life will eventually become difficult. Don't do your taxes. Don't do them. Wait, wait a year or two. Eventually, somebody's going to knock at your door and they're going to take shit away from you, right? Don't, don't pay your bills. The electricity will get cut off. Uh, you're not in the mood for working out. You wake up 20 years later with diabetes, overweight, and a heart attack. So 
I understood this principle because I grew up on a farm. We couldn't like, I don't feel like feeding the horses. It's, it's, it's cold outside. It's freezing rain. Uh, I'm not in the mood. I'm sick. Didn't matter. <laughs> 365 days of the year, stuff needed to be done on the farm and we did it. And it was one of the greatest gifts I got. So I say you can be a freeloader or you can be a front loader. And front loaders do things in advance. They make their lunches on Sunday for the week so that they're prepared. They, they do the dishes at night before they go to bed, right? So they take the garbage out before it's overflowing and piling up on the counter. So I'm always looking to do things a little bit in advance so that if things go sideways, I'm not like, oh my God, I'm, I'm trying to get to the gym. I don't have my workout clothes. There's traffic, it's raining. Uh, you know what? I can't make it. Yeah. No, my gym equipment is in the car. I'm ready to go. My water bottle's done the night before and I'm ready to rock and roll. So become a front loader, not a freeloader and watch how much your life opens up. You know, I love this so much. And I, I really found this, this kind of like front loading, like you say, right? This preparation in advance really, it kills all the excuses, right? Because if you're like, your gym bag is already there and your running shoes are parked like next to the bed, you wake up in the morning, you don't have to spend the first 10 minutes being like, oh my gosh, where's the stuff, right? You can just jump right in. And so oftentimes it kills those excuses. They're so easy to make, especially when we're in these, at these weak points in our lives, right? So I love what you're saying here. The process of personal development is, you know, is, is a little piece at a time, but it's so important to be around other people that are grabbing life big and are doing what you're going to do because we're all affected and infected by the people around us. And so I've been really intentional about seeking out, you know, you've got great energy, Max, you and I hang out together and we're going to do some cool stuff. We're either going to go work out or we're going to come up with a new idea, write a book together, but we're not going to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves probably. Yes. Right. For sure. And I, I think this this proactive attitude towards life is so important, right? Because I think this this moment right now, especially this COVID crisis, really divided people in like these two two groups, right? Like the ones that like are just sitting and complaining, the ones that are actually trying to like get better so that once this thing ends, whenever that is, if it's in like three months or like three years from now, right? <laughs> but whenever this ends, like life is supposed to be better than, than it was before, right? And we're supposed to have grown in the meantime. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I did not think it was going to go on this long. I was yeah. one of those people like that. Ah, it's going to blow over. But I'm learning that. Um, and I just did a little Facebook live on this is think back to six months ago when it started is, you know, Amazon stocks gone up 40%. Zoom stock has gone up from 100 to 250. Um, there's a company that sells patio furniture that went up from $10 to $100. Wow. In the next six months, there's opportunities that are going to create wealth and transformation for people. So what do you need to be having your eyeball on right now? What can you take advantage of? And maybe look back six months and see what was missed. The airline stocks and the, you know, the cruise line stocks are being beaten up. Maybe in the next six months, those ones are going to come back. Maybe that's something to look at and say, is it time soon to get back into those? So. I don't have the crystal ball on it, but I'd say there's opportunity right now for everybody.
Yeah, for sure. You know, especially for, for me personally, like I, I quit my job and launched this podcast exactly when COVID was starting. So I just sort of used it as like this transition moment because I, I figured, hey, I'd be stuck probably at home anyways for a couple of months. I might as well just jump right in. Um, <laughs> so, so really for all listeners, like use these transitional moments and oftentimes these setbacks in your life to see like, to take a step back right, and ask yourself like, what is the opportunity here? What's the possibility here? So yeah, Rock, yeah, I told you before, one question I ask every one of my guests is what's your favorite failure? Like, do you have a favorite failure you truly learned from and grew from? Um, I would say that the one thing I learned about myself because of my programming growing up on a farm is that I learned to work hard and I worked hard most of my life. And that programming is actually still there. Like I, I like to get up early and, and before everybody, like I did feeding the horses. So our programming is very, very strong. So I've had to learn how to move away from working strong to working smart. And so what happened was I would work very hard, make a lot of money, then invest it. And I would make these investments that were not, well thought out. I literally invested in a gold mine, $250,000. Wow. And <laughs> gold mine. <laughs> yeah, literally in Australia. What, what year was that? Like, that must have been. Yeah. Well, well they still good. mine for gold. Um, but I, I invested with my brother-in-law, $250,000 and lost it. I invested 110 with my friend and lost it. Um, I invested $200,000 uh, in a second mortgage without doing my due diligence and lost it. And I attribute that to my programming that as long as I kept on making money and making bad investments, I had to keep on doing what? Working hard. So I've had to, I've had to look at my belief there and go, okay, if that's my Achilles heel, my weakness, now I have, before I do any investments, I run it by two people that are really good at investments. Mm. Like they have a track record. They don't have any trauma around that. And I go, okay, I'm thinking of investing in this 20 unit apartment building. Here's the deal. Here's what I get. How does that look? Here are the partners, et cetera. And I'll tell you 90% of the things I was going to invest in, my smarter partners or advisors tell me that's not a good, from their perspective, deal. So I would say the biggest lesson is to really look at the results you're getting in your life, whether it's not being in the shape that you want, what have you, find people that have those results and then and then present to them your plan to get to where you want to go so if you're 40 pounds overweight you've tried every diet on the planet and you can't lose weight go to somebody who's a nutritional therapist or who's somebody who's who's really gotten great results and and then show them what you're doing and be open to being wrong yeah right don't go and go here's my plan tell me how right i am <laughs> go and ask them, what am I missing? Right? And so that's been the greatest lesson for me is again, it's back to what we talked about before is the ego wants to be right. I've learned. And guess what? It's made me closer to people. Because if I go to these people and I say, Hey, here's my plan. Here's what I'm doing. What do you think? And I'm successful in a lot of areas and have a lot of respect in other areas. And then I come to them and I ask for help here. They're like, wow, that's really big of you rock to admit that you're not strong there. And so that's the greatest gift is where you keep on stumbling, where you keep on not getting the result that you want, there's something you're not seeing and you need some help. Yeah, I think that's, that's what Tony Robbins says, that success leaves clues, right? Like there's 
there's certain things you need to do in order to be successful in any area, right? If you want to get in shape, there's certain you know, things you need to work out and there's certain foods you need to eat, right? And it's, it's oftentimes that simple. And so I love what you're saying here about really getting that mirror in front of your face or, or having outside mentors telling you like, hey, up, like objectively looking at your life and saying, hey, you kind of got to you know, change that. And then you'll start seeing the results that you want in your life. Yeah, I mean, here's a funny way to look at it. If you, if you went up to somebody who was overweight and you said, listen, I'm not overweight, but I'd like to become overweight. What do I need to do? They can give you their, they can give you their strategy. Yeah. Right? Don't exercise, eat a bunch of stuff after dinner, lie around, right? Consume a lot of sugar. They'll give you the strategy to get the result that they want, but people don't usually do that. So, but, but it makes sense to go to somebody who's financially free or somebody who's got a lot of energy or somebody who's, who's happy and fulfilled is to go up to them and to elicit their strategies. Well, what do you do to be happy and fulfilled? Well, every day I wake up, I write the 10 things I'm grateful for, and I do a little dance, and then I roll around on the ground with my dog for two minutes. <laughs> oh, I never thought of doing that. That sounds like fun. Okay, cool, let me try it, right? Yeah, I love that. Now, right before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? <clears throat> uh, rockthomas.com, they can go and check us out. We have um, all the way from my free podcast, the I Am Movement uh, podcast, uh, all the way up to all kinds of um, you know masterminds and different things that they can do if, if they're truly seeking to make a transformation. Uh, I, I love working with people that are hungry and want to make a change. Um, but if you don't and you're not ready to, then probably we don't have anything on the menu for you. So And social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram and, and all kinds of, you know, LinkedIn, you'll find yes. rock comics. Definitely the Goldcast video, I'll link to all of that. <laughs> yes. Awesome, that final question, what does it mean for you to max out your life? God, um, I think that when I'm in my best, I really am able to reframe things that don't go well and maintain my enthusiasm. Winston Churchill said that success is the ability to maintain your enthusiasm in spite of the setbacks. I remember once I was biking home from the grocery store and I had, you know, vegetables in my knapsack on the back and I got a flat tire on the back tire. And so I had about a mile left to go. So I leaned forward and I put all my weight as much as I could on the front tire and I kept on pedaling and I made it home. And to me, that was finding a solution in a difficult situation. I could, have, I could have carried the bike, I could have walked the bike, but it was a challenge for me to find a way to be innovative, to, to max out that experience. So I think pivoting, being open, being creative, being willing to look for the silver lining rapidly is one of the things that allows me to, to max out each experience because we live in moments. So waiting to have a great year means you've got to have a lot of great days. And in order to have a great day, you have to have a lot of great moments. So pivot, change the meaning, find a solution, be creative, maintain your energy and laugh at yourself. <laughs> 